All right. Welcome to the Hyperfast Show. On this episode of the podcast, we've got an amazing guest who is a New York Times bestselling author, investor, educator, and founder of the Renegade Accelerator. Welcome to the show, Amy Jo Martin. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today, Amy? I'm doing great. I'm coming, uh, joining you from Austin, Texas, and can't complain. Yeah, and you, you just moved there, right? So you got your new studio set up and all that good stuff going on? Yes, I am a fellow podcaster as well. And so we're just in the in the process of getting the, the boxes unpacked. How, how was the move down to Austin? A lot of people are moving there now. Is it hard to find a place? There's a full-on migration happening. Absolutely. I mean, it could be an SNL skit, what it took to, to land some real estate here. Um, you know, we moved from South Dakota where we had acreage and uh, property that, you know, was a, a pretty big intentional decision to, to get back into more community. So we knew that was going to be a big shift, but we had offers in on six houses and um, we finally were able to, to secure uh, a neighborhood and house that we love. But it is, it is quite interesting to see this migration, especially from California. Yeah. Um, where, and you, when you left South Dakota, like, were you on, like you said, acreage, how, how big of a, you know, area did you, did you guys have? Well, we had um, six acres and then we were having a tough time finding something. So I was uh, pretty, pretty diligent in, being able to kind of convince my husband to buy an RV. So last summer, my son and I, my husband, we just traveled uh, the country in an RV with a toddler. I don't necessarily recommend that if you have your own company and we podcasted out of it and um, we just looked and looked. We had agents in Arizona, South Dakota and Texas. And so we were just really trying to um, find the right fit. Uh, so you can imagine, as you know, the the real estate market everywhere has shifted um i'd say in austin it's just kind of amplified in a in a big way with inventory being so low yeah austin austin actually had year over year was number two uh in percentage and increase in median home price and uh number one was actually what might surprise a lot of people is quarter lane idaho uh, we actually think, visited there on our road yeah. trip. And I can't complain about Cord Lane either in Spokane so, area. Probably, yeah, probably just as hard to find a place up there. You know, a lot of people are doing doing what you're doing now, like being more mobile with their business, being able to podcast or work on Zoom. And, and so, they, you know, out, out in that area, like Idaho, Montana, they're calling these towns Zoom towns. So... <laughs> people are just going there leaving the city to to, to live their lives get, get, yeah get more get more uh space and uh you guys are kind of doing the opposite though you're you're coming from less populated more area um 
after after being away, I guess, from San Diego for a while. So what what are you looking forward to uh, with with Austin, and what kind of led to your decision to you know, all right, we want to be around more people. Sure, um, really community, and I'm fortunate to have spent quite a bit of time in Austin over the years of the last ten to fifteen years. So have some great relationships here. I've been going to South by Southwest for many years. Um, but really I you know, work with female entrepreneurs, leaders, executives, and the startup kind of founder scene is, is wonderful. I'm also an investor. So it's nice to have boots on the ground and see that deal flow here as well. Um, it's just a, you know, it's a, having lived in Southern California as well. Um, I really appreciate the, the vibrancy here, but the hopeful continuous lack of just um, feeling you need to be a certain way or do a certain thing. Uh, there's a there's a kindness and kind of a, I guess, authenticity. Yeah, I've 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 heard a lot of people that have, you know longtime Austin residents or newer people echo that that same thing that there's there's vibrancy, but there's not kind of monolithic thinking or, or, or overreach, you know, more personal freedom. So it, it sounds like a, a great place. We certainly, you know, wish uh, you and your family uh, success in this, in this transition. Uh, before we kind of dive into, you know, more about what you do and, and how you're helping people, which I think is, you know, you've got an amazing story around that. Uh, can you give people a little bit of information, just a quick bio on, on who you are and, and how you got to, you know, where you are now in Austin, in the podcast studio? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, had quite a few different stops along the way. I mean, what's kind of uh, interesting, fun fact is I'm actually from Wyoming. I grew up in a trailer park. I, you know, never imagined being in, in big cities per se, um, but went to school for marketing at Arizona State University. I mean, it was the number one party school in America. I'm not exactly Ivy League here. And um, started working in marketing for a lot of professional sports teams and leagues, and then ended up working in the NBA for several seasons during a pretty influential and inflection point type of time because digital marketing and social media was just becoming more and more of a thing for brands in 05, 06 season, all the way to 08, 09. Um, and I led digital um, media, it's called new media at the time, because it's so new, and um, research and started working with Shaquille O'Neal and some of the other players, Steve Nash, and helping them with their brands online. And that transitioned into me starting my first company in 2009. It was one of the first social media agencies to really exist. And um, first time entrepreneur in my 20s, had no idea what I was doing and just ran with it. We grew and we grew and started just taking on some big clients, you know, like Hilton Worldwide, Nike, Fox Sports, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and um, really kind of hit a point where I wrote a book and did a bunch of things kind of in this space of social communication and humanizing brands. And I realized, um, you know, that's great. And it looked really fancy from the outside, but there was something missing. And um, I had a bit of a purpose problem. I didn't know why I was doing with, you know, why I was doing that, um, other than just chasing the external carrots of more money, recognition, whatever it may be. And, um, and so that's when I, I really made an intentional decision to kind of ready, set, pause 
exited that company, went and lived on a boat in San Diego for a while and started the podcast uh, and then launched a program for female leaders, executives, entrepreneurs uh, called the Renegade Accelerator several years ago. And so this is a, an intensive program that's equal parts education, collaboration and accountability. And really it's for these women to 10X the way they think and execute. And it's been the career love of my life. Um, we have a very specific curriculum, but it's really about the people and the women that bring this mosaic together. And now we invest in each other. We are helping each other grow our you know, businesses and careers in a lot of different ways. And what you mentioned the Renegade Accelerator program. Uh, what is that? Who is it for? You know, how is it? How is it helping people and building this community? Great question. So it's really the the common denominator is there's a like-minded, like-heartedness about these driven women. You know, they've put some points on the board. Several, some are, are high-level real estate agents, um, who and and as well as like I said, founders who are either fundraising or looking. Um, at the next step, whether it's acquisition, we've got global SVPs of big brands, very diverse and sector agnostic. Um, but these women are all in an inflection point where they're, they're ready to accelerate um, and they're feeling that momentum. And it's, it's not just a flash in the pan. It's something they want to continue to leverage. Um, so the curriculum includes you know, public speaking, growing your voice of authority and thought leadership in your sector, building your, your brand online and humanizing in order to monetize. Um, and we even have a wealth creation module. You know, women, I, I was never taught how to invest per se. Um, however, I've been angel investing for about 10 years, early seed stage and um, leveraging, you know, my intellectual capital as well. Um, and so that's a, a whole area of curriculum that we're discussing and teaching. Um, so it's, uh, we have women in 10 different countries. It's, it's just a really powerful, incredible, impactful group. And what, what have you been investing in the last, you said 10 years, like it's a decade now. Yeah, it's been, um, it's a pretty diverse portfolio. You know, the it's funny. There's actually a company I'm literally closing um, on today, uh, and it is AI for IVF. So looking at how artificial intelligence can impact the in vitro um, fertility challenges that we're seeing and bring that cost down as well as the effectiveness up. Um, you know, I, I have another software company. I have an ad agency in my portfolio. Um, Super Coffee, which is an incredible brand here <laughs> um, that's very healthy, but amazing tasting coffee. Um, and really a lot of these deals are coming to me through women in the Renegade Accelerator and I'm being exposed to them that way. So um, always looking to help female founders, um, you know, and inject as much influence and impact as I can from my, from my career. Well, they, they definitely say that your net worth equals your, your network, right? So the, the more like high quality people you surround yourself with, just the more deal flow, opportunity flow, like in life in general, you're going to get, have you kind of find that to be the case? I do. In fact, 
You know, I think there's, you know, there's a, a narrative about women and female investors and, um, you know, we're just, obviously there isn't as much funding that we're seeing at the institutional level, but also as angels, I think, you know, it's a lot of it's communication. So when some of the mentors that I have, I've invested in them and now they bring me into their deals and, and ask me if I want to be a part of it, but word starts to spread. And um, I don't think it's an intentional thing necessarily that I hadn't been seeing these before. People just didn't know. Um, and so when you start sharing, you know, what it is you do and why you do it, that becomes um, a way for people to want to help you and send you opportunities. And now I'm able to extend those to my community through either angel syndicate or um, SP, SPVs or, or whatever may make sense. But my goal is to get more women a seat at the cap table, not just a seat at the table. What, um, and that's, that's, uh, I think an amazing goal and, um, yeah, it's definitely great to see women like you helping, helping other women, um, specifically with social media, what has changed since, you know, you, you, you started early in this, I think you mentioned like 2008 or nine. So that was, that was really early in the process. Like smartphones were just kind of starting to come out then that was maybe a year or two after the iphone mm -hmm. um what's what's changed since then with how people you know grow their brands online grow their presence online and and kind of the strategies and tactics that people are doing now compared to 10 years ago or so yeah oh my goodness so much has changed and then there are a lot of fundamentals that haven't um my book, Renegades Write the Rules, talks a lot about the fundamentals, but let's talk about what has changed. Um, the economic models for the platforms has evolved, right? So we see the algorithms uh, are um, much more, you know, of a, a driving force. And with all these companies having gone public, the stakeholders, the advertisers are, they have a big seat at the table and a voice as to the user experience. Um, sometimes indirectly and sometimes directly. Um, so I'd say, you know, the, the space, it's still real time. You know, we still have such an opportunity for innovation when it comes to accelerating communication. Um, we're only bound by the speed of technology. There are no geographic barriers, um, but in my experience, human behavior has evolved as well uh, in terms of you know, I think that there, it felt to me that the earlier days of, I mean, let's just say 2008, there was a little bit more, um, I'd say innocence. And, and we realize, you know, it's called social media, but it's really not media, it's communication. Um, but most people treat it like marketing and media. And so that's going to change the experience um, for everyone. Um, there's, there's a lack of, or there's too much anonymity in my experience, in my opinion, where mm. we aren't held responsible for our actions. Hey, hold that thought for a minute. Are you a real estate agent in the DMV area or thinking about becoming a real estate agent in the DMV area? Why not join the highest selling team in the DMV? The Carrie Scholl team is hiring more agents. We have the best training systems, the best culture, 
and the best environment to get you to the next level, whether that's starting out and getting to six figures or getting from six figures to 250 or to half a million or even beyond. Go to carryshawcareers.com. Again, that's carryshawcareers.com. Yeah. Does that mean like user 235 commenting like, you know, this yeah. is dumb or just, you know, stuff they wouldn't say in person to like to someone's face. They're just can yeah. fire away online kind of, yeah. Yeah, that keep behind the keyboard confidence that um, <laughs> that you know it, I I was able to do a clinical research study with a scientist a few years ago, and my question that we wanted to answer was, does what we post and what we do online impact our behavior offline? So we know that it can impact maybe how someone feels, but can can does it really impact what we do, our actions? So your comments, your photos, your messages, your videos, does that impact human behavior when we bridge the virtual world with the physical world? And, and we were able to arrive at a yes, absolutely. So that even those, those, you know, the anonymous messages are still making an impact offline. And that's powerful, sometimes dangerous. Um, and I think it's just, you know, it's, there isn't a lot of governance um, or regulation. So it's still the wild, wild west. And these are private, or th these companies are not, um, you know, they, they are not public domain. We're not paying for our Instagram account. In fact, we aren't even renting it. It's not our space, but we do tend to think of it as these are my followers. Um, but the rules can change at any moment. Right. What, um... You know, given everything of, of just the nature of how it is right now, um, what specifically are you recommending to your clients for their their branding, personal branding, and, and online strategy? So one thing that has has remained true, and it and it will continue, is that humans connect with humans, not logos, and we talk about this concept of personal branding and this word that it's actually counterintuitive <laughs> because you don't brand yourself you just are yourself and that creates your brand that is your brand right so there's a lot of unraveling so you can't you can't really be something that you're not online basically and and, and succeed at it long term i think right would you agree correct. with that or? correct and so my my whole kind of philosophy is humanize to monetize, make those connections and they will convert if they're real and they will convert over and over and, and compound over time. Um, but the, the thought that branding yourself is a color palette or a filter similar to what you might see in a magazine, that's aesthetics. That's not branding. Um, how someone feels about you is your brand, right? So that's a, a notion that seems so logical and kind of captain obvious, but it's pretty difficult sometimes to untrain ourselves. Do people normally have a, a good sense of who they are and what they want to project? Or is this something you have to work with people to, you know, maybe they're not even aware of this or haven't spent much time thinking about it. You nailed it. It's um. It's fascinating, Look, you know, the women that I'm able to work with and, and guide, they're very driven, very, you know, 
decorated in their careers. And a lot of times they haven't had an opportunity or taken the opportunity to step back and say, who am I? Why am I doing this? You know, and back to what I was sharing earlier, I hadn't done that either. Um, the outside didn't match the inside. And so getting very intentional about dialing in, I refer to it as your brand essence. You know, if we can lead with who you are and why you do what you do versus what you're doing, we can make much deeper or real connections that will convert. But first you have to be able to, to identify that. And that's deep work, right? That's life work for a lot of us. Um, and so that's much more difficult than it may seem. Hmm. And is this, I mean, is it, this is something you kind of went through yourself and then now you, you've written the book about it, created these programs around it, and you're, you're helping other, uh, specifically women, kind of go through this process as well? Correct. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I help women down the black diamonds of life and business, those difficult things. And um, most people don't ever take the time to stop and ask themselves, who, who am I and why am I doing this? What do I want? Um, and they kind of subscribe to what they think everybody else wants them to do or what they think they should um, do. And it's, it's fascinating to see kind of our culture and our society romanticize two sides of the spectrum. We've got the, the hustle, chase, grind, sleep when you die, 24 seven mentality. And then we have this pendulum and, and this spectrum where this other side, and I've been on both of them, is let's meditate, drink kombucha, do yoga, surrender, and journal. And in my experience, you know, I have a, I run pretty hot. I, I have pretty intense personality, I guess you'd say. And when I start to, to come to the middle, I feel like then you're watering down that, that good potency. So imagine, I call it the quantum peak. Rather than trying to come down from one side or the other into a five and taking my, you know, drive side down to a five or my surrender allow side, intuition side to a five, think of it as going up. And so keeping that, um, you know, that, that power, but bringing it more upward into a peak um, because the romanticizing of, of both sides Again, in my experience, it doesn't really work. And for the women that I work with, um, it's not a good look for us to live on one side or the other. Do you think the pandemic changed any of this or made people question this more or even just look, uh, you know, like ask these questions more that, that you've been talking about? I do, Dan, and I do for two reasons. One, it, it gave us a little bit of space to do an audit our lives and be more reflective and hopefully more self-aware of what matters, but also of what we want, how we spend our days is how we spend our lives. And, and it became a microscope, right? Like we were really aware of our days because we're all locked in houses. Um, and then secondly, experiential, more of an experiential side I think this light bulb coming on to your point in the beginning of these zoom cities where you realize you have more map freedom than maybe you thought or more influence now on where you spend your days. Um, 
so that's evolving. And as an entrepreneur for the last, gosh, 13, 14 years, I've, I intentionally left corporate to design my own day. That's just all I wanted. So I feel like I've been living that for a while and I might be a little kind of, um, I forget what it's like when you start to get that map freedom, but I do remember how incredible, um, it feels in the beginning, especially because it just perceived control is an ingredient of or ingredient of happiness, right? Yeah, and I, I, there's a lot of people who, you know, they get to look at a mountain now or a lake or not not have like a thousand people living on top of them. And yeah, you're 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 right. Like when you first kind of get that 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 moment of understanding that you know, you do have more control over it than you at least thought. Uh, it is pretty powerful. 100%. And, and that we really can still conduct business, grow our careers from a forest or from a boat or wherever else. And we have a psychologist that graduated from the program and she, her goal was to take her clinical in-person practice and move to her cabin in the woods full time and do it through teletherapy and she was able to do that where she may never step foot in an office again. Um, and that's completely possible and her business is growing. So um, I think that, you know, with social communication as well, these tools allow us to connect um, at a, in an exponential way. You know, we just had a, a good friend of mine who's a graduate from the program, the Renegade Accelerator. She is a top real estate agent in Chicago for Compass and you know, she does multi-million dollar deals from direct messages on Instagram um, that, that started that way, right? The lead generation is coming from these humanized experiences and interactions that lead into, you know, big deals. In terms are, of those, are those outbound or, or is she putting out content and then people are like reaching out to her on, on direct message? It's both. Um, it's okay. both. And we've dissected these communications and about 25% are from other agents in different cities who are referring that she's maintained a strong relationship with over social. Um, another 25% are um, new and they're friends of friends. And then 50% are um, either existing relationships or repeat, you know, um, customers. So it's, it's over time. It just doesn't happen overnight, but this is a constant funnel that she's working on every day. And, um, it's pretty incredible to see how she's been able to grow her business. I think she did $50 million in sales volume last year during the pandemic. Um, and there, there was a, uh, she said at least the, the, the number one lead generator for sure was Instagram and, um, her team now, you know, that obviously works for her, um, is also taking that approach and really growing their business through social. Was it, um, mostly organic growth on Instagram or, or, or the paid, you know, paid advertisements? hundred percent organic for, for this specific situation. Yeah. Wow. That's, uh, I mean, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> what, yeah, uh, it's what really platforms are you, uh, 
what platforms are you, you know, coaching people on to use? Is like Instagram the main one or are there, there are other, other ones or is it all of them or, you know, what's like platform wise, what, you know, where really? All of them, LinkedIn is often overlooked. It's extremely powerful, especially a lot of the women in um, in my community and, and within the Renegade Collective are public speakers. So, and we have marketing partnerships with big brands as well. So, you know, to build those relationships with the companies, associations, agents, bureaus that book you as a speaker, um, you know, LinkedIn and Twitter are great places for that. Um, you know, a lot of the, the misunderstanding about what I refer to as vanity metrics is something we focus on. So a following does not equal dollars. Followers don't equal dollars, right? So a lot of times you'll see, you know, let's just say Instagram, someone with a pretty humble following, maybe a thousand, couple thousand followers, but that is their number one lead generator because they're doing uh, business behind the scenes based off of uh, what's happening through direct messages and or um, relationships that are growing from there. So um, really it's it's everything, Twitter. Um, we have women who have gone viral on TikTok, a fertility doctor who is doing incredibly well with her messages on TikTok. Um, so it's- Yeah, TikTok uh, seems to have the best algorithm organically. Like if you put out specific content and stay in that niche, they they seem to really know how to put that in front of more people that would be interested in that compared to the other platforms. Agreed, agreed. And I think too, as functionality continues to evolve for TikTok, potential acquisitions, like consolidation really does impact a lot. When Facebook acquired Instagram, you start seeing a pretty big change in the algorithm. Um, but also the newness, I remember back in the day when Twitter, you really would see the tweets of everyone you followed because there was enough pipe, there was enough bandwidth, right? There was enough fire hose um, because they, it wasn't as populated. And so I imagine as we see TikTok continue to grow, um, that, that could change over time. Yeah, they, they just added promoted posts. So now you can... I think it's on a much, much limited basis compared to like Facebook and Instagram. But that that is uh, indication at the least that, you know, at some point it'll it'll become more pay to play like the other platforms have, have kind of migrated to. Hey, hold that thought. Do you want to get a hundred tips for free from my best selling real estate book, The Hyper Local Hyper Fast Real Estate Agent? If you do, Go to hyperfasttips.com and you can download a hundred of my best tips today. Again, that's hyperfasttips.com. You can download a hundred tips on how to grow your business, get more clients, deliver more value to more people. Go to hyperfasttips.com. Yeah, they're going to have to dial in the economic model at some point and monetize. And then usually that's your, your ads. Um, and hopefully it'll feel... Um, it won't be too disruptive to the user experience because they've got a good thing going right now. Yeah, it's it's uh, an interesting platform, and and um, it's interesting too how they they've succeeded stuff, and then like Facebook and Instagram take those bits and pieces and put it 
try to put it on their platform and you know we've kind of seen that with reels and some of the other and, stuff and stories and and twitter with the audio yeah it's it's kind of been that way for for a very long time too um you know looking at do you, i don't know if you remember location-based um services like foursquare or guala back in the day but um you you tend to see a feature if it does well it's it's going to be mimicked uh, what do you think, you know, looking ahead, if you're kind of looking at your crystal ball, what do you think uh, will be important now or, or more important or, or will be more important like in 12 months from now than it is even right now with respect to social media? So like what, what kind of changes do you think will, will happen uh, that people maybe might not be aware of? Here are three things that come to mind. Number one, we have to remember if you're using the space as a marketer or as media per se um, to connect with your audience, you have to remember you don't own that relationship and that bridge. So the more you can um, build your email list or get those that, that relationship and energy over into your own domains, um, the more access and control you'll be able to keep. So I've seen where on on Twitter, you know, I used to have over a million followers and then one day 50,000, it was more than that. He was like 70. I wrote an article about this in ad week, but, um, they just disappeared. The purge. Like yeah. I've, I've heard about this. <laughs> oh yeah. So I'm emailing Twitter and I'm like, Hey, what's going on here? Like I used to work with the Twitter office when there were 11 people there. And, um, uh, I'm sure I'm like, is this really just scrubbing your, your list of like lapsed users? And then all of a sudden those followers came back. Exactly oh, wow. Oh, but then they, they went away again. So it was like, you really have zero control over what happens, not only with the algorithm, but with your account and following. So yes, keep it as healthy as you can. The space is powerful. Do not dismiss it, but try to build those relationships into an environment where you do have more control, which is email, your own website, mobile, um, build bridges, you know, in person and bridge the virtual world with the physical world. Um, so that's one thing. Number two, I think because of the pandemic and this, this like, let's, let's reset button has been hit. Um, we're demanding that uh, everybody's a little more real, right? I, I feel like the polished high production content, you open up someone's Instagram grid and you see something out of a magazine isn't resonating quite as much. Um, and then third, I do think there, there will continue to be more consolidation. And so whenever we see that, um, you know, we see a pretty big change in either features or algorithms, economic models. So if we see, you know, acquisitions, we've got audio and clubhouse out there now, and um, a lot of podcasting platforms that are popping up that are different. And uh, so it's, it's, or the users are definitely have a voice. And um, I think, you know, what used to work doesn't always work now. Interesting. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think, um, yeah, I, I think there's going to be more changes coming and, and platforms grabbing more control of the audience you've built. So, you know, focus on getting them over to other things that, that you control. And 
you know, that's, that's a, that's a big deal. Like I've, I've, I know a lot of people had Twitter follower purges and did they ever kind of give you an explanation or say, were they just scrubbing, um, scrubbing dead accounts or something or. Right. Yeah. And I've had an account for a very long time. So I can imagine there's, there's plenty of lapsed in there, but, um, yeah, I've been in Instagram jail before. I don't know if you've ever been put in there where I think so. Yeah. I've had followed a few too many people at one time and they did not like that. So my account seizes up and you know, if, if we were we've had on Facebook and Instagram is, uh, advertising because some of what we do is helping is brokerage. Mm-hmm. Right? So we're helping people buy and sell homes, but then we've also got books and events and other things where we teach real estate agents and they, they put those in the same category as housing, even though it's, it's clearly not an offer to buy a house. It's, it's something teaching real estate agents and they, the algorithm doesn't understand the difference. And you know, I think unless you're spending like seven figures a month in advertising, like maybe even eight figures, I don't, I don't know what the level is, but you're not going to ever talk to a person. Um, so we've, we've, we've had a lot of, we've had issues with that before and you know, there's nothing you can do about it really. <laughs> yeah. I can see how the targeting of a $20 book versus a $20 <laughs> house is, is going to be a different audience, but, or at least some different insights there. Um, it's, it, it's still, I'd say the wild, wild west and it changes daily. So what worked Tuesday may not work Thursday and it's highly frustrating, but it's also kind of like this big reminder of we, we have very little control, right? I, I think it was Tim Ferriss that said, you know, trying to um, market on social is kind of like trying to market on the top of a volcano where you just have very little consistency that you can build um, because it's very volatile. Well, I think, I think that's a good, uh, explanation. It can, it can either be a, a really fun ride or, or it can all go away like that. Like, so, um, you know, definitely do it, but, but get them onto other things that, that you control and, and have redundancy, right. Have, have redundancy in like all of your economic marketing models, et cetera. Right. Right. And repeat, repeat those, those key, you know, value offerings and propositions because A, not everybody's going to see it the first time or even the second time. B, they probably have to hear it seven times to remember and recall it. So it's what seems like old hat to you and, and boring at some point is probably just starting to resonate with your audience. So don't be afraid to double down on those key points that differentiate you. All right, Amy, before we wrap up, I always do a hyper fast round at the end if you're ready for some rapid fire questions and answers. You froze for a second. Sorry about that, yeah. All right, um, I don't know if you you heard, I was just saying at at the end, I always wrap up with a hyper fast round if you're ready for some quick questions and answers. Let's do it, absolutely. All right. What's your biggest piece of advice to a new real estate agent starting out today? Oh my gosh, that's good. Um, I'd say 
find your, your tribe, find, you know, work with the people that you resonate with and you'll convert. And then that word of mouth, it will be like wildfire for you, but don't try to push something if it's not working. What do you think is a big, uh, mistake or overlooked opportunity that you see successful people uh you know do all the time try to do too many things at the same time mm. lack of focus <laughs> shiny object syndrome <laughs> that's a good one for us all to remember uh what's a, what's a business challenge that you've had and how did you overcome it or what did you learn from it oh my gosh there's so many um I'd say my biggest would be really trying to um, focus on on skill a lot and and maybe some passion, but not having that purpose. And you can imagine a Venn diagram: passion, purpose, and skill. That sweet spot in the middle is is where I like to live and play. Um, but you want all three of those; otherwise, something will always be missing. And Sometimes people forget that you can mix skill in with passion and purpose. Um, so it's, it's not a fairy tale. It, it's very real and you, you can create that intersection. What, um, what are the key things that you look for when you are evaluating an investment opportunity? The founders being able to articulate why they do what they do and who they are through their company and, and the purpose of their brand. Um, I look at investing as this was advice given to me a long time ago, but you look, think of it as a, a surfer, a surfboard and a, a wave. The surfer is the founder, surfboards, the product or service, and the wave is the trend. And ideally all three of those are very strong. Um, but the surfer is the most important in my experience because the product that surfboard is going to change likely over time. Right. That's an interesting analogy. Uh, last one, where do you see yourself 10 years from now? I see myself, uh, my son is two, so he'll be 12, whatever grade that is. Um, maybe his, uh, you know, he's, he's in school. Um, the every day is spent living in that intersection of where purpose, passion, and skill collide. Um, and, you know, I'm not looking too far in the future or too far in the past, just staying present. And, um, that's been a playbook that's worked fairly well. So I will we'll keep that one. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, I had a blast, uh, very informative and, and you've given our listeners and viewers a lot to think about and, and some really great actionable items before we sign off i know you've got a really great event coming up or, or program that that you're launching so do you want to tell people about that and then also just how they can connect with you if they want to learn more about anything you do or, or how to follow you on social media sure absolutely so on social i'm at amy joe martin a-m-y-j-o m-a-r-t-i-n pretty much on all the social touch points um, that's also my, my main website. The Renegade Accelerator is our program that I've talked about a few times here today. 
and it launches um, a couple times a year. So check out renegadeaccelerator.com and um, you will find all the information and the results that the graduates have experienced uh, directly from them. There's video and um, yeah, just hope to connect with, with your audience and your listeners. And thank you so much for having me on, Dan. Yeah, thank you so much, Amy. Uh, you, you gave tremendous value, appreciated hearing your story, your insights and everything you're doing for entrepreneurs, uh, you know, women, females on, on social media branding. Uh, There's a lot of great tips and that we all could use, you know, not, not, not just females, even though I know you focus on that. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's um, a great mix and, and congrats on, on what you've built. All right. Well, thank you, Amy, for everyone else listening and tuning in. Thank you for watching. We'll see you next time. All right. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Hyperfat Show. Subscribe to us if you want to make sure you get the latest and greatest Hyperfat Shows. And remember, we love reviews. Reviews help us bring better and better guests and improve our shows. So give us the good, the bad, and the ugly. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we will see you next time.